I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. On this episode, RCMP have laid more than two dozen charges in connection with the crash that killed members of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team. We look at who is facing charges and how Mounties got to this point in the investigation. It's Friday, July 6th. Today, at approximately 10 a.m., our major crime investigators arrested the driver of the semi-trailer unit, Jaskarit Sidhu, a 29-year-old male from Calgary, Alberta. The announcement of charges comes three months to the day of the horrific crash in rural Saskatchewan. Kevin Mitchell is sports editor for the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. He joins us now. So, Kevin, what charges were announced today? Well, what they ended up doing was laying uh, 16 counts of dangerous operation of a motor, motor vehicle causing death. And then they laid 13 counts of dangerous operation of a motor vehicle causing bodily harm. So hmm. they basically covered off the 29 people who were on the bus. 16 people died, 13 were injured. And so they, uh, everybody on the bus has been accounted for in those charges. And so the charges were against the driver of the semi-truck in this? That's, cor- that's correct, yeah. Jaskarit Sidhu, um, a 29-year-old male from Calgary, he was the driver of the truck that... Um, collided with the semi at the intersection. And yeah, he's the one who's been charged. Now, did the RCMP get into many specifics about what may have happened at the scene? No, they really didn't. They they were very clear that um, most of the work that they've done will be will be kind of laid out in court. Um, mm-hmm. they, they weren't really willing to get into a whole lot of details about, about uh, what their findings were and what they'll be presenting. So there's still a, a shroud of mystery surrounding surrounding this case as Mm -hmm. far as what their findings are, and I guess that will come out eventually. So when deciding to lay charges, there's provincial driving infractions involving careless driving, but this kind of raises the bar to another status of charge. Correct. That's our yeah. That's our understanding. I mean, somebody asked at the press conference um, what kind of jail time he could be looking at conceivably, and I believe they said up to fourteen years for the uh, for the dangerous operation causing death, and I think ten years for dangerous operation causing bodily harm. So yeah, this this is more serious as far as what the repercussions can be. Um, it is an elevated level of as far as what they've charged them with, and I mean they've been under a microscope, and it's uh, it's been three months. I know there've been a lot of people who've been very impatient. Mm-hmm. And and, um, you know, other people are saying, let the process take take its time, you know, let let them do the work they need to do. And I guess this was a time where they decided they're comfortable with, with making the announcement. And this is a big investigation, right? I know that there have been people over time who have, you know, even criticizing uh, media for not reporting the name of the driver, wondering what's taking the RCMP so long. But but this kind of investigation isn't exactly the something that you can wrap up overnight. Yeah, no, I mean, it really was a big investigation. They had 20... Uh, they had a core team, I think, of 20 investigators. They had as many wow. as 100 different people contributing to the investigation. Uh, they did over 60 interviews. They uh, took over 6,000 photographs. They hmm. used uh, 3D technology and drones and documentation. And, I mean, this was a pretty involved kind of thing. Um, so there was, you know, the RCMP weren't withholding information or trying to stall things. They were working hard on this during these last three months. And, uh, you know, at, you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had dragged on another month quite honestly so now after three months i think they're comfortable with what they have and and i guess we'll see what happens from there so they would have been looking at at various uh factors in this crash obviously i i believe there was still snow on the ground at the time so they would have been looking at road conditions but what other things did rcmp say they were looking at in trying to figure out what happened and and whether charges were warranted 
They didn't really go into that a whole lot. I mean, somebody asked them at one point in the press conference, you know, did the bushes that are in one corner have an impact? And uh, that wasn't something that they were they were ready to answer. Um, okay. I know people have speculated about the position of the sun in the driver's eyes, things like that. And again, I think the RCMP, they're playing it pretty close to the vest right now as far as what their findings are. And when can we expect that the accused makes a court appearance? I think next week. Uh, we still don't know where exactly yet, um, unless it's come out over here in the next, last few minutes. But we don't really know exactly where they're going to be next week. Um, but there will be a court appearance. And then from there, we'll see when, it's, when it actually goes into trial. So that you were saying earlier the driver's from Calgary. Where was he arrested? Was he arrested in Calgary? I believe so, yeah. I believe they arrested him at his home. Uh, okay. Without incident, yeah. So, yeah, actually, the the RCMP press release did say that he was arrested without incident at his residence in Calgary. Now, you know, the, as there has been a lot of talk about this case and about the crash, and it, it's been fairly high profile to have uh, so many members of one organization killed and injured at one time in, in a pretty tragic collision, uh, so it's garnered a lot of attention. How has it been for the families over the last three months? I th- well, I, I, it's been very difficult. And, and I think part of the problem, too, is there's different families dealing with different things. I mean, mm-hmm. there's still a couple players who are in the hospital um, three months later. There's uh, families who had, you know, uh, players get out that, that very the same weekend of the crash. Others had much more challenging things to deal with. Um, there's, you know, the families who had deceased players um, or people who were involved with the team, such as, you know, um, you know, the, the bus driver or the, you know, the, the play-by-play guy. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a whole lot of factors here. There's, I, I think, a little bit of survivor's guilt in some cases. Um, so, yeah, I I, I think it's, uh, it goes without saying these have been a very, very difficult three months for everybody involved, no matter what the status of, of your child was on that bus. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they've also been very grateful for what they've heard from the outside world. The NHL has treated them very well. Um, they've had a lot of visitations from a lot of very prominent people that I think the players have, have really appreciated. And yeah, I, I, it's very much a mixed bag. I, I think they've learned a lot about about, uh, about people and, and how much this has affected not just the community of Humboldt or the province of Saskatchewan, but the wider world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're also dealing with, with the trauma of, of what's happened. This is Dave Breckenridge, host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. The name represents Canada's 10 provinces and three territories, and each episode takes a deeper look at one of the biggest stories in the country. Our show is powered by the work of journalists and newsrooms across Canada, so be sure to support your local paper. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can get me on Twitter, Breckenridge, Y-E-G, or dbreckenridge at postmedia.com. You were involved in the initial coverage of the crash back in April. Um, what do you remember of that day? Yeah, well, I, I just come home from work, actually, and uh, all of a sudden there's a, there's a text saying, um, hearing that the Broncos bus had a crash on the way to their game, and and at the time, you you don't think it's going to be that serious. You think, oh, they had you know a crash. Maybe they'll they'll cancel the game or or postpone mm-hmm. it. Um, and then all of a sudden, you started hearing rumors trickling out, and and then it becomes an avalanche. So I drove to Reg- or to Humboldt that night, um, and I went to the gathering place in the town where people from the community gathered at the local rink. That was kind of where they 
the one place where they all knew that everybody would be. And so I remember driving into the town. I like Humboldt. I've been there quite a bit covering curling and things like that. And I just felt so sad driving into the community, knowing what they were dealing with at that moment and and what was to come. By that point, we already knew there was going to be a lot of fatalities. Um, And yes, I mean, I I walked in and, and I was just people sitting at, at tables and chairs and it was just, it was just a sense of, of shock and disbelief and they were sitting with cell phones just waiting for news from about loved ones who were on the bus and it was it was a tough place to be but i think a lot of people also got comfort from from being together there was several hundred people who gathered just to, just to be there that that night and how quickly after it happened did you start to see that that sense of community where people started rallying around the the hockey club Pretty much right away. I mean, just, even just within the community, there were, they had a very well-stocked area for the for the public. And I mean, there was businesses in the town that was giving out they were giving out free food and supplies and and making sure that people in the town were taken care of. Um, then you started to hear from the outside world, and and people were getting messages from all over. And 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 the Broncos were inundated with with messages of goodwill. So I think it probably that very same weekend um, as it started to settle in. You know, I, you know, as for me as being a reporter there, I was getting phone calls from Europe, you know, radio stations out there asking me to comment because I was the only guy they could find at the time. And, and so it, it, I think it struck a chord around the world fairly quickly within probably 24 hours. Hmm. And you got a chance to spend some time with the, the surviving players when they uh, were taken to Las Vegas to spend time at the NHL awards. What can you tell me about that experience and what that was like for you and, and for them? It was a really interesting experience. It was um, the NHL had them come down and they treated them first class, um, put them up at you know at a resort in Vegas, and they gave them a you know a nice transport to move them around. And the players, there was ten of them all together on the trip. Ten of the thirteen uh, survivors okay. were on the trip, and it was neat to see the reunion first of all, um, to see the way they interacted with each other. There was they've they've gone through something that nobody can fully understand except for them mm-hmm. and you could see you could see that bond as they were together through the weekend there are a lot of joking they're hockey guys at heart so um a lot of a lot of joking and hockey humor and things like that yeah. um you'd also see a guy you know just pushing a teammate in a wheelchair you know and, and helping him get over bumps and hurdles and and then at the very end of the weekend when they were up on stage at the nhl awards and and Darcy Hogan, um, their head coach who died in the crash, he, he won an award, um, and his, his his widow was up accepting it. And you could just see on their faces, though, you know, as as much as they'd enjoyed the weekend, you could also tell that this thing still had a huge impact on them. And and uh, it's they they know how serious it is. But they're also teenage kids, and mm-hmm. you could tell a they enjoyed the experience, but b I think it also brings home to them again what they've gone through and, and what happened that day on, on April 6th. Now, in talking to them, uh, spending time with them that weekend, um, did the investigation come up at all? Or was it something that just kind of was far from their mind? Yeah, the investigation didn't come up much. I, I, I think, especially being teenage kids, I think they're trusting the adults around them to kind of take care of things. Although a lot of these guys have become adults very quickly, given what's happened. But yeah. um, it, it wasn't really, there wasn't really a lot of talk about the legal aspects or, or the bus driver. I didn't, you know, I'm sure maybe in some quiet moments that may have come up. I didn't hear it. Um, they were, I think, just more enjoying the reunion as opposed to, to worrying about the nuts and bolts of, of what the case was. Okay. And back to the investigation, it, they've charged the driver of the semi-truck. Um, has there been any word about any charges against the company or is that still? Yeah, the RCMP wouldn't really answer that today. They just said that 
their investigation is focused on the driver and uh, that's all they would really say about it. So what kind of a look they're taking at the company, I really don't know right now. I'm not too sure what they're what they're doing in regards to that. Okay, so uh, best we know right now, the accused will be in court next week. We're not sure where. Um, facing 29 total counts, 16 of uh, dangerous operation of a motor vehicle causing death and dangerous operation causing injury. Kevin, thanks very much for your time. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Here's what else is happening in Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau offered further comment on groping allegations from 18 years ago. Trudeau said Thursday that after, quote, reflecting very carefully, he does not feel he acted inappropriately in any way, but he respects the fact that someone else may have experienced it differently. And 50 people have been reported dead in a heat wave in Quebec. That province and parts of Ontario have seen temperatures up into the 40s with the Humidex. Officials say most of those people who died have been in vulnerable communities. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie-Anne Sproul. This episode is edited by Nathan Martin. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.